Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome back to the Sports Ethos, Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks. We'll be covering everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. Super Bowl Sunday is after the game. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, world champs of the National Football League. I know a lot of Eagle fans are slighted and general NFL fans by the holding call and was just in a spirited debate about referees and how it's an imperfect job that will never appease anyone. But that's not for this program. That's for another program. But we're here to talk Hawks. As I alluded to, the drama that was in the Super Bowl is Rihanna pregnant or not? She is. Congratulations to Rihanna. Was that a holding or not? I thought it was a holding. And then there is the four-team trade. And we haven't recorded since the trade deadline. So we're going to recap trade deadline. The moves that were made for the Hawks. Including the trade that I thought was a bad trade. It's not a good trade in my opinion. And... You're not going to convince me otherwise that it's a really good trade. But that that trade was put on hold because of an undisclosed known injury. A very sticky situation with involving Gary Payton II, who was on the Blazers, being traded to the Warriors. And upon getting his physical with the Warriors, and obviously we know he was on the championship team last year. He left free agency. They brought him back, but found that his injury that he had was far worse than anticipated to the point where he is out for the remainder of the year. And so it put the four-team trade between the Pistons, the Hawks, the Warriors, and the Blazers on hold. So big drama around the trade deadline this year. I mean, it started with Kyrie being traded to Dallas, which kind of started things. And then KD being traded from Brooklyn to Phoenix, which demotes the Nets as a championship contender in the Eastern Conference in many people's eyes, which opens the door for the Hawks to move up. So that was a win for the Hawks, uh, the dismantling of the Brooklyn Nets. And then a lot of trades were made during the trade deadline. A lot of Hawks fans were 
clamoring for a big move, which if you've listened to this program, you've known that a big move was probably not going to happen unless they did something with John Collins, which, and it was reported that before the Nets made the move to send Kevin Durant to Phoenix, the Suns were about to be locked into a deal to trade for John Collins. Now, the details of that trade has never surfaced, but before the Nets came in the midnight hour and traded Kevin Durant to Phoenix, John Collins is about to be a Phoenix Sun. But that didn't happen. The Hawks were frantically trying to move John Collins, and a deal never materialized. No deal for Bogey either. So they just went ahead and made salary dump moves that I anticipated they were going to make. And I knew that Justin Holiday was in a trading block and Justin Holiday was traded along with Frank Kaminsky in a salary dump trade to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando. Um, and they also traded some draft considerations to the Houston Rockets. And then, as I said before, in the four-team trade, they got Sadiq Bey from Detroit. And in exchange for Sadiq Bey, the Hawks traded away five future second-round picks. Now, there's a lot of people say we don't develop players there's no value in second-round picks. It's the principle behind it. Sadiq Bey was a first-rounder. He is certainly worth more than one second-round pick. I agree. I would say two. But five is asinine, in my opinion. Which is why I did not like the trade, especially for a player who... He's a very streaky scorer. His shot selection is not the best, which is something that we do not need on this Hawks team. Yes, we get another shooter, but we don't need someone else with poor shot selection capabilities. We don't need that. We already have players on our team who have spotty shot selection that makes you guys point the finger at the wrong people when those mistakes happen on the court. That is a basketball IQ thing. And that is something that. I. Here's the thing. He'll be a solid role player. He's a bigger wing. But he's not great defensively at all. He's not great defensively. He's not athletically gifted. Um. Like I said, he can score and he can fill him up when needed, but he's very up and down. And his numbers have steadily dropped as he's been here in the league for three years now. And maybe he is Bogey's replacement and they find a way to move Bogey this offseason. And if that's the case, then, hey, I, I see it. You move on from Bogey, finally allow for... Jalen Johnson to get some more point forward opportunities. But here's the thing. With a fan base that constantly complains about 
A.J. Griffin's minutes and Jalen Johnson's minutes. Now you want to celebrate getting Sadiq Bey? This is not a win for the Hawks, in my opinion. It's a lateral move at best. Yes, he can score. He's a bigger forward, 6'7", but he's a liability defensively in his shot selection can hurt you more than it helps you at times off the bench. So it'll be interesting to see how he is used. I'm not a big fan of the move, and I am not shy saying that. Um, you guys wanted a move, you got one. You guys wanted Justin Holiday off your team, he's gone. You guys wanted Frank Kaminsky off your team, he's gone. Those are two vets, and vets are, you sometimes... Yeah, the contract that Justin Holiday had was not the best. But you cannot put a price on veteran experience when you have a lot of young players that need to grow and mature fast because the fan base wants them to play and ownership wants them to play, but they still have hiccups in their game that limits their opportunities to get on the court. Jalen Johnson definitely needs his minutes. I'm saying that. He needs his minutes. But the hesitations he has offensively, I have a problem with. That's going to come with, obviously, more maturity and confidence and growth. And he does need minutes for that to happen. And he does have very impactful minutes. He plays hard, plays with energy, effort. He rebounds at an exceptional level. He's a really good passer. His athleticism, you can't coach, you can't teach. But there's some giddy-ups in his game that he needs to overcome. Sadiq Bey is not bashful shooting the ball. That's good. We can utilize him. But now when Sadiq Bey gets his minutes and you guys are complaining that Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin are getting their minutes, this was a move that people wanted them to make. They wanted a move, and you got it. So, like I said, I'm not crazy about the Sadiq Bey move. You have a surplus of forwards. The Garrison Matthews, Bruno Fernando move is just a salary dump. Yes, you get one more body in the front court in Bruno Fernando, who played here, obviously was drafted here, and you bring him back home. I like another body in the front court, so it it is what it is. He's younger. Younger can do a little bit more, um, especially defensively, than Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky is obviously a offensive-minded stretch five. But all in all, these were not splash moves for the Hawks. These were not needle-moving moves for the Atlanta Hawks. And I knew that this was going to be the trade deadline, especially once the news of John Collins being moved and the price asked for for as far as an exchange of him and the interest dwindling and his value going down. I knew that the likelihood of him being moved was going to go down. I'm glad he's still on the team. I really am. I thought that Bogey would be moved, so I was surprised that Bogey was not moved at the trade deadline. I knew that Justin Holiday was on the chopping block. That wish was granted, and his contract is off of our books. And you got two younger players forward. So, I mean, you you have no future as far as draft capital is concerned for this Hawks team. I mean, when Nick Ressler pulled the gun to get 
DeJounte Murray in exchange for all those future first round picks. You're gambling our future on a short window where DeJounte Murray after next season can be in a free agent. And you have to convince him to re-sign here. And then you have rumblings of other players who are disgruntled and may want to change the scenery on this team. And I'm not going to get into anything further in regards of that, but this team is still a mess. It's still a mess. There's still chemistry issues. There are still disgruntled players. There is still friction on the team. There is still, obviously, friction between your head coach and your star player and Trey Young. And at this point, this is the roster you got to ride with for the rest of the regular season. So you're going to have to put your pride aside and go out there and play some basketball. And I was out traveling for work this week, so I was not able to give you guys any more episodes than I would love to give you. But the Hawks play some basketball. They ended their West Coast road trip. And then had two home games back-to-back here in Atlanta, which we got two wins. So we're going to take a quick break and then quickly recap the last three games before looking forward to this week. So first, this quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues. In every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turn those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, To answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. Since the beatdown that the Hawks gave the Suns on ESPN on February 1st, so 11 days ago. The Hawks have won four of the last six games. You beat Phoenix on the road. You beat Utah on the road. You lose to Denver in a contest where if you look at the score, it looks worse than it really was. And then this week, they took on New Orleans, Phoenix again here at home. In the San Antonio Spurs yesterday. The New Orleans game, the last game of a of a five-game road trip, I'm not gonna say they ran out of gas, but when you look at the numbers, they did. I mean, you gotta call it for what it is. 
You scored 35 points in the first quarter. You look good. You follow that up, scoring 24 points in the second, 22 in the third, and 26 in the fourth. Meanwhile, you get outscored in both the second and third quarter by the home team down in New Orleans. And you outscore them by one in the fourth. You made it interesting down the stretch, but by the time the Hawks tried to come back, it was too little, too late. So now that the Hawks split the season series against the New Orleans Pelicans, they were out-rebounded. They had more turnovers than the Pelicans, even though it was close. Only 12 turnovers for the Hawks. The Pels only committed 10 on that game Tuesday night. Hawks shot just under 45% from the floor while the Pelicans shot just under 50%. Hawks shot 33% from three. Pels shot just under 38%. As I said, Pels out-rebounded the Hawks by six. 30 team assists for the Hawks, which is good. But fast break points in favor of New Orleans. They got... <sighs> Pels dominated the paint against the Atlanta Hawks, plus 16 in favor of the Pelicans that night. And at one point, there was a 16-point lead for New Orleans. It was a game where the leading scorer was Bogey. Bogey was the leading scorer off the bench, 22 points. Solid game. Jalen Johnson gave you 6.6 rebounds off the bench. A.J. Griffin gave you 18 minutes, gave you 5 points. And Okongu with 8 points, 5 rebounds, 3 blocks, and 2 assists off the bench. Solid production from your bench. Nobody on your starter scored more than 20 points. Nobody. 16 assists for Trey Young, 16 points. He did not shoot great from the floor at all. He was pretty bad from the floor, 4-14 and 2 of 8 from 3. But the 16 assists, 4 turnovers, I love it. I loved him distributing the ball. He's been distributing the ball very well lately, especially in that Spurs game, getting a season-high 17 assists in that game. We're going to talk about that game here in a bit. But 16 points, 16 assists, 4-14 from the floor. You're going to need more from your star player. DeJounte Murray, just under 50%, 19 points for him. Six assists, sorry, seven assists, five rebounds, one steal. Out of the starters, he had the second highest plus minus, but he was still minus nine. Seven turnovers between your two backcourt players. I'm not that upset about that. Clint Capella, 13 points, eight rebounds for him. He was minus 19 on a plus minus. Not a great night. DeAndre Hunter is your culprit. You needed more from DeAndre Hunter. You just flat out did not get it that night. Three points. Didn't make a field goal attempt. 0 of 9 from the floor. 0 of 5 from 3. He does not need to be shooting five three-pointers, in my opinion. Four max for him. For maximum efficiency, in my opinion. And... Your three points were three free throws made. So you're a three or four from the free throw line. That's a win. But bad game. Probably one of probably the worst game for DeAndre Hunter of the season. Um, so you got to attribute it to that. John Collins, 15 points, six rebounds, two blocks. He's had a pretty solid stretch um, leading up to the trade deadline. So just ran out of gas in New Orleans. 
So, I mean, you live and you learn, you're ready to get home, and then obviously the trade deadline happens, and so the Suns have a pretty decimated roster. And as I said before, they lose to the Pelicans 116-107. They turn around and beat the Suns 116-107, but you let the Suns outscore you by nine in the fourth quarter. Thank God you did the heavy lifting in the first quarter, 36 points to 22 in the first they got outscored in the second by Phoenix, a 37-point third quarter. So you came out of halftime and responded compared to 28 points for the Suns in that third quarter. And then you allowed 32 points in the fourth for the Suns. The Suns kept battling. I mean, they had no Devin Booker. It, was his, it would have been the second game back from his injury. They rested him. They traded Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson to Brooklyn, so they weren't available. So it was a pretty decimated roster for the Suns, and the Hawks had to do everything they could to hold off Phoenix. And 19 turnovers does not help as a team. You dominate on a glass, which, I mean, when you hold DeAndre Ayton to... Very few rebounds. I want to say at one point he had 18 points and one rebound. Um, he ended the game with two rebounds. So he had 23 points and two rebounds. So you completely dominate the glass. Completely dominate the glass. You hold Chris Paul to 15 points, eight assists, five rebounds. He had three steals and two blocks. So a solid game for him, but just not a lot of help after that. I mean, Josh Okogie gave you 25 off the bench. He was the X Factor. He was the the Energizer Bunny for Phoenix in that game. Uh, Wainwright off the bench gave him 17 points, knocked down three three pointers, added three steals and two blocks. So they had really good bench production. I mean, and people got some opportunities because of the injuries and the trades, and they stepped up. They stepped up and they played hard. I mean, like I said, your Hawks dominated them on the glass. Like I said, 59 rebounds as a team. Compared to 35 for the Suns, so that's a dub. 23 team assist, but the 18 turnovers. You, you can't you can't have 18 turnovers. Trey Young had a great game scoring the ball, 36 points. He was 10 of 18 from the floor, five of eight from three, 11 of 12 from the free throw line. One of his most efficient nights offensively. He was plus 15 and a plus minus. Excellent game. In that regard, scoring the ball and distributing the ball, but nine turnovers, nine turnovers. So you almost had a triple double with turnovers in that game. But thirty-six points, the Hawks needed all thirty-six points. You'll take that. You'll definitely take that. I mean, you get nineteen from Dejounte Murray. He was eight of fourteen from the floor, two of four from three. He had five assists, eight rebounds, but out of the five assists, he had four turnovers. So the assistant turnover ratio. For the two backcourt players for the Hawks, not as great in that Suns game. You have 13 of your 18 turnovers from your backcourt players. Usually lends to losing basketball, but when you have an undermanned Phoenix Suns team and you dominate them on the glass, you can get away with it. You can get away with it. So they got away with one against Phoenix on Thursday night, who was just completely decimated with the trades and injuries. And then you had Capella. Really good game, plus plus 11, plus minus the second highest on the team. Seven points, 17 rebounds, including eight on the offensive glass. 
He added two steals and a block. DeAndre Hunter, a little bit better game. At least he made field goal attempts in his game, but still 4 of 12 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3, 9 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. John Collins, another solid game, 16 points for him, 6 of 12 from the floor, 50%. Two rebounds, so he didn't join the rebounding party like DeAndre Hunter, who had six, and Murray with eight, and even Trey Young with seven. Uh, you got to get more rebounds from John Collins, but you like the 16 points there. Onyeka Nkongu had a double-double off the bench, 11 points, 11 rebounds, one steal, one block. Six points for Griffin, six for Jalen Johnson, and six for Bogey off of the bench. Poor shooting night for Bogey. Uh, you would think he would be relieved after not being traded, but rewarded us with a 2-for-12 performance and 2-of-9 from 3. John Collins certainly looked relieved from not being traded, so the 16 points showed that he's comfortable and focused on this final stretch. So that's good for him. Jalen Johnson, as I said, 6 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block. So, But a very sloppy game for the Hawks. Most of the turnovers were... Between, you know, your two backcourt players and then Capella and Hunter combine for four turnovers themselves. So, got to take care of the ball. But, like I said, they got away with one, a depleted Suns roster. And you're at home, so you got the dub. The Spurs came out, played hard, especially in that first half. But a big third quarter, especially defensively for the Hawks. You hold the Spurs to 17 third-quarter points, and you scored 32 points in the third. And by that point, the game was pretty much in hand. It was DeJounte Murray's first time playing his former team, and him and uh, Pop did have a long embrace after the game, so it was good to see that there's there's no bad blood between them. And they're both professionals. I knew there wasn't going to be. But this was a game that was certainly much better than that Suns game. Much better taking care of the ball. Only 10 turnovers, and then you force 20 Spurs turnovers last night. So that is a big, that's a big win. You hold the Spurs to just under 43% shooting. Great on the defensive end. The Hawks shot just under 49% from the floor. Hawks shot just under 39% from three. So didn't shoot as many threes. As the Spurs were were more efficient there, they rebounded pretty good. Uh, They were out-rebounded by one by the Spurs, but it is what it is. 29 team assists. Usually when they move the ball, good things happen, and it did. You forced 20 turnovers for the Spurs and scored 25 points off those turnovers. And you end up winning 125-106. So turnover is a big factor for the Hawks. Dominating in the paint, 70 points in the paint for the Hawks. I think that's a season high for them. So, really dominant second half performance. Defense was the key, attacking the paint and ball movement, which when those things come together for the Hawks, typically good things happen. 25 points for Keldon Johnson for the Spurs. Uh, Sochan, still out of remember how to pronounce his name. The rookie from Baylor, 18 points for him, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 10 for uh, Branham, rookie from Ohio State, 
and some contributions off the bench, but the Spurs are not a great team. They're certainly in the Wimby sweepstakes. You trade away a uh, Poto back to the Raptors. So not a great Spurs team, a team that you should win. And thankfully, defense is what they honed in on in the third quarter to really put the Spurs away. Last night, they had six players in double digits. Two starters over 20 points, which is great. Every starter had 14 points or more. Your two leading scorers were in back on track. DeAndre Hunter, 24 points, 8 of 13 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3. Got nine free throw attempts, nine. Uh, that has to be one of his season highs. Uh, he made six of his nine free throws. He added five rebounds, three steals, one assist. So a really good game for DeAndre Hunter. One of the higher plus minuses on the team. Everybody had a high plus minus, especially in the starters. For the Hawks, Trey Young with another really good game. 24 points, 17 assists, 5 turnovers. So good assist to turnover ratio. 1 steal, 1 block, 4 rebounds. He was 9 of 19 from the floor. 2 of 5 from 3. Only 4 free throw attempts, but made all 4 from the charity stripe. DeJounte Murray was a solid game against his former team. 18 points. On 8 of 18 shooting. So 18 on 18 shots. Not the best. Um, but you'll take it. It's just below 50%. 2 of 5 from 3. He had 7 rebounds. 3 assists. 1 steal. 1 turnover. And 6 turnovers combined between the two backcourt players. That's a win for the Hawks. Clint Capella. 14 points. 12 rebounds. 3 blocks. John Collins. 17 points. He's had a really solid stretch of games here. Um, now that he knows that he stayed on the team. 17 points on 6 of 14 shooting. 1 of 4 from 3. Hit all 4 of his free throw attempts. Added 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Off the bench, Okongu with 6 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1 steal. 13 off the bench for Bogey. 5 of 9 shooting from the floor. Hit all 3 of his 3-pointers. AJ Griffin just 2 points. 1 of 7 from the floor. Struggled last night. Jalen Johnson with five points, six rebounds, an assist, and a steal. And Aaron Holiday only two minutes and two points. But almost everybody who touched the floor. And Holiday and Martin got in in garbage time. Uh, but really good game, especially the second half for the Atlanta Hawks. Taking care of business. They're going to see the Spurs again in March. So close the chapter there. And now you're the Hawks. You've strung together. Like I said, you've won four of the last six. You've won two in a row. You're feeling a little bit better about yourself right now. You are a game and a half back from the Knicks at seven and three games back from the Miami Heat. The Heat are starting to get things going. I would expect the Brooklyn Nets to backslide right now. They are four and six in the last ten games. You just traded away Kyrie and Kevin Durant. You're sitting at fifth in the Eastern Conference, and I would expect them to fall back into playing range or maybe even out. Uh, I think they're going to probably still be a playing team, if I had to guess. So I'm not going to write them off from not being in playing position. But you think about Brooklyn sliding, and you think about the Heat eventually taking them at five with them playing really good basketball. And we're going to see the Heat team here shortly. Heat moved to five. Let's say the Knicks moved to six. 
And then you're the Hawks at seven, knocking on the door for being a top six seed. You keep Bogey, you keep John Collins, you add Sadiq Bay, whatever value that actually brings. And I don't know. You, if you're the Hawks, you, you see the opportunity in front of you and you look at your schedule and think you have an opportunity to make a little run here. You, you really do. I mean, tomorrow night, they travel up to Charlotte, a chance to get some revenge against the Charlotte Hornets, who I'm still upset that the Hawks have lost a couple matchups to this team this year. I am floored personally, because this is not a team that you should lose to at all. The, the Hawks are a much better roster than Charlotte. Charlotte is abysmal. They're 15 and 43 right now. The Hawks are losing the season series two to one, two to one to the Hornets. So you need a win tomorrow to split the season series against the Hornets, which leaves a bad taste in my mouth personally. Both of the contests at home against the Hornets, you lose. You win the one contest up in Charlotte. Right now, there is some question marks. Um, there's a lot of players day to day. Uh, it's, well, we'll see when Bruno and Sadiq Bay will be available now that they're officially Hawks. Trey Young has left shoulder soreness. He is probable. Bogey has right hip soreness. He's questionable. And John Collins has a sore left hip flexor. So three Hawks on the injury report going into tomorrow. Um, Collins and Bogey are questionable and Trey Young is probable. The Hawks have to win this game. You have to at least split the Hornets. And if you're looking at the Hornets, they've lost five straight. And they might have lost more than that. And, yeah, they've lost seven straight. This is a must win. You can't lose this game. Right now, you're sitting at 29-28 and 28 in the Eastern Conference. Like I said, you're eighth. You beat the Hornets. You're 30 and 28, two games above 500. Now you're on a three game winning streak. And then you take on the Knicks, which huge, huge matchup. We're going to have an episode leading into that Knicks matchup on Wednesday. Uh, no travel for me this week, so I'll be able to crank out content for you. After you take on the Hornets and you feel good about yourself if you beat them three in a row, you have the Knicks. You have Cleveland, and then you have Brooklyn that doesn't look as daunting. And they're all at home. And then after that, you take on the Washington Wizards and the Portland Trailblazers. So after you go on the road to Charlotte, you have five home games. Two home games against playoff teams. And then two teams that, quote-unquote, are going to be playing teams, Brooklyn and Washington. But you certainly... I'm glad they they didn't play well against Phoenix. They responded, especially defensively, against the Spurs. And they weren't bad defensively against Phoenix either. I mean, they've given up under 110 points the last five games. Actually, sorry, last six games. In the four to, four to last six games they've won, they've given up under 100 points. So they've been better defensively. You're going to need to bring that defense to Charlotte so you can get a win, maybe rest some starters before coming back home 
And then you have two games against New York and Cleveland who you know are going to be physical. They're going to be very physical with you. So Hawks have to take care of business, split the season series against Charlotte, go up, obviously, 30 and 28 overall if you win tomorrow night in Charlotte. And then you have to switch your mindset to playoff basketball because there's not a lot of games left to end the regular season. I mean, there's not. So this is a very crucial stretch coming up. And here's the thing. All-Star game is next weekend. (laughs) So so it's even more imperative to go on an All-Star break feeling good about yourself beating Charlotte, and then if you can win a grinded-out physical matchup against New York who's feeling good about themselves, you beat them going into all-star break. Now you're sitting at 31-28, and 28, three games above 500, before you have, obviously, four games at home, back-to-back-to-back, coming out of all-star break. That is, this schedule is tailor-made for the Hawks to make a run. But it starts this week. This week will springboard them into All-Star break. to give. Obviously, Trey Young's not going to be an All-Star. A.J. Griffin's going to be in the Rising Stars game. But a chance to heal up, refocus, and get ready for this final stretch. Because like I said, with Brooklyn going to free fall, it opens up the door for the Hawks. If they can catch a break in New York, starts to struggle. And then the Hawks get hot. You may be able to sneak yourself into a top six seed and avoid the play-in altogether. But that starts with you beating New York. You have to beat New York. You have to beat Charlotte. Every game is a must-win, but this these are must-wins. These are absolute must-wins if you're the Atlanta Hawks. So, we'll see if they take care of business against the Hornets. If they do... Obviously, we're going to have another episode recapping that game and talking about that big, big matchup versus the Knicks on Wednesday night here in Atlanta. You know that there's a lot of Knicks fans in Atlanta, so it's going to be a really good home crowd. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to absolutely be a fun one. I missed you guys. I missed talking with you. I'm glad to catch up with you on all things Hawks. And if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about one of the best podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share with fellow Atlanta Hawks fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans, does not matter. Put them onto this program as we are hitting the final stretch of the NBA season. Super Bowl's over. Baseball's not here. Eyes are locked on to basketball right now. And it'd be great if the Hawks can start playing their best. I mean, like I said, winning winners of four of the last six. You string together a win against Charlotte and a win against New York. Not a six of eight going into all-star break. Now you have some momentum churning with a, you have some tough opponents coming up in the second half. You have a, you know, a home, home back to back two games and three games against Miami. You have to do the same thing against Washington who can beat anybody on any given night. You have to see the, the Celtics twice the end of the year. You have to see Memphis one more time at home. You see Cleveland again. Uh, so you get two cracks at Cleveland at home to end the, 
the regular season. You got to see Dallas again with, with an RAC and now having Kyrie and Luka coming to Atlanta. You got to go to Chicago again. Got to see Philadelphia again. So there's some opponents, but there's a lot of winnable games too. You got Detroit sprinkled in there. You got Portland at home get revenge against them. You got Golden State a little wounded right now. Minnesota, not the same Minnesota team. You see them twice still. You see Brooklyn again. So these two games are pivotal. And it starts tomorrow night in Charlotte. So if you're putting people onto the program, put them onto our Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And then follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett. Six seven. That is Brad J A R R E T T six seven. We'll catch you guys after this Hornets game. Preview the next game before All Star break. And as always, let's go Hawks.